Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, with me is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today, sir? Hey, Alan, another round table. I'm good. Still round? What are you, what's your problem? No, I'm just, uh, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had nearly as much coffee as, uh, I had a whole plan yeah. when I got up. Yeah, and yeah. part of that sure. is get coffee, and I miss that step. Yeah, step one, yeah. So, uh. I had our intern go out and get us uh, some coffee here. That was nice. Some wonderful, wonderful coffee from Starbucks. Yeah, that was nice. Of her. We'll have to thank her for that. So I agree. Yeah, definitely. I so, agree. But um, well, welcome. I, I'm sorry you're a little tired. Maybe we can, maybe we wake you up today. What? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. I am excited to be here, Mark. If if you're tired and I feel the way I feel, we're going to be in trouble today. Well, or yeah, could we turn it into something good? We can certainly try. There is no try. There's only do. That's right. Thank you, Yoda. That's <laughs> where's right, Harvey. Where's the, oh, Harvey's here today. Yeah, he's here. Okay. He's uh, he's waving with one finger again. I don't know. Yeah, he, it's pretty normal. What for a him. grumble guts he is. Yeah. Is it is it true, Mark, that we had to do something special for these two, Harvey and Constantine, that they technically aren't here on the same day anymore. Like we just can't do that. And they separate entrances and all kinds of weird uh, stuff. Upper Brass has said there's been an informal agreement for quite some time that Constantine and Harvey explicitly work on separate days. Okay. Uh, it kind of went by the wayside. And then this has been brought up again recently by Harvey, mainly by Harvey, uh, that uh. they don't work together. And then he put some other words in the agreement that we, 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 had to strike uh, we, out, we redacted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> redacted. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, redacting that's a great idea we might want to redact a big portion of this podcast this morning so i keep wondering why why don't we why don't we yeah, yeah. we should do that well hey mark i before we move on i think i, I want to wish you happy father's day thank you uh, you too this episode to be coming out right around that time and uh, maybe a couple days afterwards but father's day week if it were a week-long celebration that's so, right so happy father's day to you and um you know it we've we've been away for a little bit while um, we have we took a little bit of a mini break i guess a summer vacay if you will i like to call it a summer vacation appetizer well it may have been a break for you alan i was actually asked to speak at several parks and rec conferences uh <laughs> but you know i'm glad you got some time off well i'm glad you were able to go represent for the team so thanks for that i <laughs> yeah, do sure. appreciate it anytime yeah no that's terrific but um yeah, because I think we're going to probably have a couple more enter uh, this week on, that week off kind of deal here before we head back into the fall. But, uh, you know, we'll talk about that a little more uh, at the end of this episode next week. But um, why don't we get into it? All right, let's do it. All right. Well, we're here to talk about season six, episode eight, Fluoride. Fluoride. Yeah, get the floss out and get this thing done today. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know, it's interesting. Like last time we had a back-to-back -back episode, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, back-to-back-to-back. -to -back -to -back. Yeah, well, and this week we are back-to-back -back once again. Hmm. Uh, episode eight was Fluoride, and then it aired at 8 o'clock, and at 8.30 they aired episode nine, which is Cones of Dunshire, mm. which we will cover next week. Yes, we will. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to both these episodes, as a matter of fact. Me and too. What I noticed in kind of looking at the, you know, I look at the the 2013 stuffs, you know, the listings and the TV guide and all that fun stuff. Back when I still used to, you know, collect TV guide for the covers, Mark. You know, of course. You've seen my collection. Um, anyway, they did something in season seven where basically, except for the last two weeks of season seven, which is, you know, half season functionally, they did double episodes like six weeks in a row. They burned the wow. show that quick. When I'm sure when we get to season seven, we'll talk a lot more about this. But um, 
I'm curious and trying to get the inside scoop on this. I'm sure it's been written about, but I, I want to be able to talk about that when we get to that point because that's interesting to me. And I feel like I wonder if they're burning some episodes here going into the holiday season uh, because these episodes basically aired on November 21st of mm-hmm. 2013. So I think that may be true. I actually had a question for you. Remember how in the season six premiere, London, yeah, part one, um, part two, yeah. The the uh, writer and director were the were the same for yes, both of those. That is correct. So my question for you, Sir Ellen, of the yes, round, sure, of course, it is a table round table. It is. Is yeah. when we have these back to back episodes. Yeah. Is it is it different writer and director? Almost always. Okay. That's why that was so rare because typically, as I understand it, and I'm not a pro at this, and you know, I'm sure there are people in the industry who listen to our show. <laughs> so anyway, um, found humor. Okay, I try to. Um, you know, they're going to do these basically not quite at the same time, but they ha- they divide the team. Like the A team's going to work on the eight episode. The B team, you know, not because they're different. They're just different. Just not because they're not better. They're yeah. just different. Yeah. The B team then is going to work on episode nine. So they're kind of in a production. Something's always in motion, right? Right. And so, you know, the technical folks, the production designers, the, the set designers, the set decorators. I don't envy them because I, I feel like they're probably having to like it's a little bit like us. Sometimes we'll be doing a show, right? Yeah. And preparing for the next one, or we've prepared two in a row or whatever. Is that what you do? I wouldn't call it prepare, but yeah, we'll use that word generously. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. But it's the same thing. You're, you're kind of, you're balancing two things in your mind at once. And you're like, Oh, I'm going to talk about the older one today, but I'm already prepared for the next one. Like, I feel like they'd be dealing with that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You work on two things that are in parallel and you can get the, as Ghostbusters pointed out, you cross the streams cross and it's streams. no damn good. Don't do that. No. I've heard that's bad. Are you a god? <laughs> you get marshmallow men and talking lady dogs. No, and... it's no good. No, it's not good. Just don't do it. Well, hey, Mark, uh, you know what? Speaking of directors and writers, mm. uh, just to answer your question, this week's episode was directed by Michael Trem. Hey, that sounds familiar. That does. He was on our show. Yeah, it this certainly is was. His fourth of four. He was a great guest of ours. Uh, back, I think we had him on in uh, season four for Operation Anne back in April of 22. That sounds right. So yeah. one more to a year to go for yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, and he, he did four uh, episodes as director. This is his fourth. And he was the director of photography on about 33 episodes. All wow. Around. So... Yeah, and you know he's an Emmy Award winner for mm-hmm. the show Weeds. Um, you might all, and he's a writer, director, cinematographer, producer. Orange is the New Black, uh, Weeds, Parks and Recreation. He's got a new show that came out uh, pretty recently on AMC called Sixty First Street. Hmm. So check it out. Um, this episode was written by Matt Hubbard. This is his first of two. He was a producer on about thirty-one of these episodes. So Matt Hubbard gets the golden pen. Matt Holden. Matt, Matt Holden. Matt Golden. No, Matt Hubbard. Good Lord. See what you've done to me now. Thank you. What? How? How is this my fault? You said a word and confused me. Oh, That's I gotta fault. stop doing that. Yeah, don't say words. Yeah. <laughs> what? No, it's your turn to do everything. Go. Oh, fair enough. Well, <laughs> you know, so Matt Hubbard. This uh-huh. is his first of two, and he does get the golden pen this morning. Yeah. And uh, his, I looked it up. His next episode is going to be Johnny Karate. Oh, so that's going to be a fun that's a good one. one. Yeah, yeah. But you'll see Matt's name on Thirty Rock, Parks and Recreation, Superstore, and uh, the most recently that show with Maya Rudolph, Loot, mm. which I was I think is on Apple, and I have not had a chance to watch that. But I'm looking forward to it. He's the creator of that show. You know, on an unrelated note, yeah, I saw 
Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Oh, the third vault, sure. And yeah. you know who I realized was in there from yeah. Superstore, Mateo? Oh, yeah. He was in he there. He was the guy with the thing on yep. the head, and they, they yep. needed to get that thing away from his head. <laughs> Spoiler, was... they did. <laughs> well, see, now you've ruined it for me. Well, you don't know. No, I've seen the movie. Oh, crap. <laughs> but I don't remember it. You know me. <laughs> yeah. I got a, like a memory of like a, a, a wasp or a, a gnat, like eight seconds something like that it's not just that it's like you see the movie you enjoy it and then you go hey i got some whiskey left well there you go <laughs> that, that always true. helps well hey before we forget what we're doing why don't we get into our episode synopsises oh yeah that thing all right all right so i broke this sucker down into three stories yay all right that is correct. No, no disagreement this week. We love it. Now we're cooking with now gas. Now if we get the order right, we're, we're double bonused. Yeah. Yeah, so hold on for that. Yeah. All right. So I, I, my A story is entitled, uh, I need you to just bail me out because I, I either stole shamelessly from yeah. the episode or I just didn't hardly do good at There's all. There's nothing wrong with that as long as it's funny. Yeah. All right. So my A story is called Flame Duck. I, I have a play on this. But yeah, oh, good. Very good. Yours is going to be better. All right. Now having access to Eagleton's reservoir and water treatment supply, which contains fluoride, Pawnee is set to also have fluoride in its water for the first time in its history. With Leslie's time on the council now ticking away, she attempts to get her Pawnee-Eagleton reservoir merger bill approved, but jam counters dun, 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 with a bill that prohibits adding anything to Pawnee's water supply forever, as he is a dentist, loves cavities, and is therefore... <laughs> Anti-fluoride. To sway the public, Jam uses scare tactics by accusing Leslie of wanting to put a dangerous chemical into the water supply. Realizing that there are no consequences to her actions, seeing as she has already been recalled, right. Leslie begins to fight back with ferocity and recruits Tom to help her spice up the idea of fluoride. Tom effecti effectively rebrands fluoride <laughs> into tea dazzle, wow. which the public loves. Sounds amazing. What will happen? Can Jam counter Tea Dazzle, and if so, how so? Does Sweetums get involved in this hotly contested issue? Will Pawnee finally get fluoride in their water? Stay tuned to find out. Dot dot dot. Yeah, I, I can see why Jam would be against this because you know the cavities. He he wants them rotten teeth. Yeah, that's how he can afford such a boss ride. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that that seems pretty funny. Yeah. Well, hey, Mark, so my A story, also playing on, you know, flame duck instead of lame duck, you know, Leslie's expression is, mm -hmm. uh, so let me first say what my theme is this week, because I think that's important here. So mine are movie sequels Oh, with, with mixed messages. And what I mean by that is, it's like they're genre mashups. Like the title's one thing, but the, the show is something totally different. I'll see if I can get this to convey in my titles here. I, I cannot wait to hear how this goes. So my, my flame duck variant was, uh, so this is the sequel to Howard the Duck, Howard the Duck 7, Silence of the Lames. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know if they get better, but it's something. We'll, we'll give it a go. We'll see how it goes. That was a good example of the thing that you said you were going to do. Well right? done. Yeah, because you've got, you know, kind of weird sci-fi kind of show. Yeah. And then you got a horror show, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. So that's, the, that's that genre mashup. Huh. So we'll see We'll see how I did with the others. Didn't see the connection. All right. <laughs> Neither did I. So, hey, Mark, what would you do on the B story there? Hey there. Uh, for, the, for the B story, uh, this is my title. Crib Notes. See? That's pretty good. That's not bad. All right. 
Chris has been reading numerous parenting help books and follows them to a T. When Ron shows off his latest woodworking project, building a crib for his unborn child, Chris becomes concerned that Ron is ignoring every known crib safety standard in the universe and insists that Ron accompany him to Bloomington's uh, baby boutique store so he can show Ron where he bought, quote, the safest crib in the explored universe. At the store, however, Chris is shocked to find out that the crib that he bought was recalled after a hazardous chemical was discovered in the glue. This causes Chris to change his mind, deciding he wants to do things the Swanson way. Ron finally agrees and plans to teach Chris how to build his own crib in the Swanson workshop, or woodshop rather. During the lessons, however, Chris starts looking for metaphors in Ron's lessons, Uh-oh. assuming that he can learn parenting tips along the way. <laughs> how will this turn out? Are there actually metaphors in Ron's lessons? Can Chris truly learn the Swanson way? What crib does Chris end up with? Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. Um, uh, so mine, continuing the theme of, you know, movies with mixed genres. Yeah. And and this one's a t- bit of an homage to one of your favorite comedians as well. So see if you hear oh? it. So, yeah. Oh. So, so this storyline for me was Baby Mama 2, The Return of Death Crib. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. So do you see the homage there? I, I definitely yeah, do. Patton. I definitely yeah. do. So, yeah. Yeah. Tip of the hat. So how about your C story, Mark? Nicely done. All right. C story. I stole shamelessly, but I think it's really funny. Barks and recreation. C. Perfect. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. While April, Donna and Craig look at animal controls, new dog adoption website, they notice how a few dogs resemble some of the gang. This causes them to start a fun game where they pair uh, a member of the parks department with their quote spirit dog. Everybody has a good time until April chooses a dog for Donna, at which point Donna gets upset, stands up, and leaves. What will happen? Why did Donna get upset with April's choice? How can April make things right with Donna? What is Donna's spirit dog? Hang in there, true believers, only time will tell, dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. Yeah. So for my third and final story um, on this theme of, you know, sequels, uh, and I'm going to end with the, the, finally, the animated film by James Cameron. This would be Avatar 7, Quest for the Spirit Beast. It's a thinker. I don't know what to think of that. I don't either. It, it kind of fizzled out there at the end, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, well done. <laughs> if that was the only thing that broke uh, broke uh, the genius streak, I don't know. I don't, the thing that you were not. trying to do, you did the crap out of it. Well done. I sure did. You know what? I was committed, Mark. <laughs> that's what's important. That is what's important. Don't give up no. two-thirds of the way through. No, no, no. Yeah, that's what I just demonstrated. Yeah. Mark, what was your AKA this week? I don't know. I gave up. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I have one. No, um, I know you did one. It's it's, a, we don't have to do one now. This is easy. This is so easy, yeah. just one. Yeah. Oh, what I do. Uh, this is by my uh, man crush. No, oh, sure. Uh, Ron Swanson. Yeah. Um, Chris is all, uh, he's really excited because he wants to introduce Ron to the the, the baby store. The sure. He's crib at. They're in Bloomington, he's right? Like, you need to come with me immediately to this place in Bloomington. And Ron says, counter offer. You take me nowhere <laughs> and I talk to no one. <laughs> It made me giggle. That is a good one. How about you? Yeah, that's one of my favorites as well. Um, I went a different direction, and uh, so mine is actually a a line from Tom to Leslie 
uh, where she about uh, some reactions to the her uh, the bit on the purge show. Mm. And uh, she yells at somebody on the phone, and Tom says, "Whoa, you just talked to that person like I talked to you. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no consequences, right? Right. So, right. That's one of the themes of this week. So, well, hey, Mark. With that, why don't we get into our episode summary? All right, episode summary. Let's start. Oh, it no, out. we call it a breakdown. Well, yeah, yeah. What's wrong with me this week? I don't know. I don't I, I'm just going along with it. Like, yeah, it's a summary. Yeah, we rebranded. Sure. Let's break down the summary, Mark. Yeah. See? Works fine. Brilliant. Fixed. Nailed it. Nailed it. All right. So we start off with the cold open. Um, it's I'd say it's a non-plot relevant cold open, which I think when the series started, they used to have more of. Yeah, And then true. they started to make it so that the cold open really introduced one of the plots. And I don't think that was the case this week. In fact, it's so rare that it feels kind of wrong. It was kind of a funny one, though. I mean, thematically, it's tied into health, which there's some of that in the episode. But I agree. It's not really fully plot relevant. Yeah, yeah I agree but, with you. Anyway, for this episode's cold open, we find, we find ourselves inside Lucas Oil Stadium, where we see uh, number 12, Andrew Luck, uh, number 87, Reggie Wayne, and Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay talking to a bunch of kids about the new play 60 initiative with leslie and the gang there to join in and have fun hey harvey yeah play the clip please thanks we're gonna have some fun today pawnee yeah! who is ready to play 60. NFL has a campaign to try to get kids active for 60 minutes per day. And so we bust in a hundred lucky little buggers from Pawnee and they are going to get a chance to play with the Colts. Oh! Come on, Reggie! I told you to run a button hook! I did, Leslie. Okay, I guess you would know. <laughs> Pleasure to see you again, Mr. Luck. We met briefly last year at our friend's bachelor party. Oh yeah, right. How are you? I normally don't answer that question, but since I respect your talent, I will tell you. I am fine. Hi, I'm April. I stole your wallet. <laughs> she will let it go. You guys are weird. Thank you. <laughs> What's up, girl? Keep walking, 98. <laughs> you don't want to talk to that guy? He plays in the NFL. He's a linebacker. Skill positions only for Don Amigo. <laughs> <laughs> I got my Colt beanie, my Colt scarf, I got the Colt's grill going, and the crown and glory, Colt slippies. How you gonna run in those? <laughs> run? Tommy doesn't run. That's your guys' job. Now, uh, let's go fetch this football throw, fellas. Like five feet away. Love sports. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, it occurred to me when I watched that, I, that that was right up your alley. Like, I'm like, Mark Mark plays sports, too, in the oh, same I do way that sports. Tom does. You I do, do the crap out of sports. Which sports do you do, Mark? Look, when you get to the level that I am, they yeah. all start to merge because your, your talent... Uh, uh, the, the what happens is uh, tremendous. It bleeds into the mm. all. They all combine into one big sports, one uh, mega sport. I do the mega sport. You That's the sport. Yeah, and then if I have to break off into individual sports, I can do that. Of course. Well, of course you could because you mastered all of them to get to this point in your career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations, Mark. That's terrific. Yeah, but yeah. I, keep I, up the good work. To draw an analogy that I know everybody will will appreciate. Yeah. When you have a wizard. Oh, God. In Dungeons and Dragons. And then you have the wizard, and they master different uh, uh, areas, different schools of magic. They sure, become an sure. arch wizard. Oh, I see. I'm an arch sports doer. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's what they call it in the yeah. NFL? In the, in the NFL. Yeah. It's yeah. ironic that you don't do any sports that involve an arch, though. So, anyway. 
I just thought that was weird. I go to McDonald's. <laughs> That's a sport. Yeah. <laughs> Watch me eat that Big Mac. <laughs> well, Mark, we kick off after the cold open at the combined Pawnee Eagleton Reservoir, and Leslie is determined to set a positive, productive tone for her final days in office. And she brought someone along for the ride who might also need a little redirected focus of his own. Hmm. Yes. You would be referring to Tom. We see Leslie and Tom standing by the Eagleton Reservoir, and and Leslie explains to Tom that she is very excited because this water has fluoride in it. And now that the towns have merged, Pawnee has access to this reservoir and water treatment supply, meaning Pawnee could very well have fluoride in its water for like the very first time in the history of ever. Wow. While Leslie is clearly disappointed about losing the recall election, she is, as you mentioned, determined to make the most of her remaining 30 days in office. We also hear Tom lament about how hard it is for a businessman like him to have to go back to, you know, stupid government stuff now that Rent-A-Swag is uh, officially closed. However, Leslie encourages him to make the most of the job that he has. Well, and it's good. It's good. You know, she is she's declared herself the flame duck. Right. Right. Versus the lame duck. Right. She's telling Tom he's got to kind of find that place for himself. So that's right. We will see if he does. And actually, I was curious. Technically speaking, is Rent-A-Swag closed? Because didn't Saperstein keep the name? He kept the name. It's still open. And Tom's getting five percent of the, the, the till. Not bad. No, I, I hope it's I hope it's on on gross, not net. But, you know. Right. You, you know, even if it's net, it's still something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for Tom. Well, back in the bullpen, there are differing opinions on what makes a safe baby's crib and where and how one should be acquired. Yeah. We cut over to City Hall where we see Ron proudly showing Chris, Donna, and Jerry pictures of his handmade crib in the bullpen. This alarms Chris, who believes that Ron is ignoring every known crib's safety standard, making his crib unsafe. When Ron refutes this, Chris insists the two of them go to the Bloomington store where he bought his ultra-safe crib. Ron tries to resist, counter-offer, I go nowhere and say nothing, but Chris makes him an offer he can't refuse. What what did he do again? He said, if you don't come with me to the store... Oh, he said he was, because um, I got a note on this later about Chris and his uh, his little power trip here. He said you have to like attend a, a four-hour yeah. fax cover fax sheet cover protocol sheet. meeting. And what was weird about it was, you know, you know that, that got Ron right there. He ain't going to do that. Yeah. But Chris almost seemed like he would enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. Which, crazy. Either crazy way, Chris. win-win. Win-win for him. That's yep. right. Yeah. Mark, we get introduced to, you know, we've said before the, the detail to attention, the, the small things they sometimes do. And this one wasn't like a hidden one, but it's one of three celebrity baby books that, that we see in this episode. Oh, yeah. And uh, this one's by, you know, the rocker Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. And it's it titled, um, Are You Going to Crawl My Way? Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> the, I, I made special note of the pun related books that he nice that Chris is reading in this episode. Terrific. Very, very nice. Well, meanwhile, over in the council chambers, Leslie is presenting her bill to improve the Pawnee Eagleton water supply, but not surprisingly, it seems to be in contrast with at least one other council member's interests. Oh, that guy. Jim. We now cut to, to council chambers where our favorite flame duck, Leslie Nope, is trying to pass what she considers a no-brainer bill that would merge the Pawnee and Eagleton reservoirs, thus getting fluoride in Pawnee's water. Unfortunately, Councilman Jeremy Jam, DDS, which does not stand for dumb, dumb, stupid, (laughs) seems to be opposed to Leslie's bill for 
two main reasons. A, he's a dentist, so he's against fluoride in the water because he likes cavities because that gets him a boss ride. And then B, he's a big fat jerky jerk face who doesn't like Leslie. In fact, not only does Jam not support Leslie's bill, but he goes so far as to propose his own bill, the Pawnee Clean Water Bill, which prohibits adding anything to our water supply forever. Forever and ever. Yeah. That's a long time. It's really, yeah, I wouldn't want to do it. Uh, you, you mentioned the the boss ride thing. You know, it's how he affords such a boss ride. Yeah. And then they cut from the council chambers out to the parking lot and Jam's parking spot. And there's a yellow Porsche. Mm. <laughs> and he makes some terrible comment about an Asian girl. And yeah. then Leslie just goes, why did we come out here? And yeah. then they're back in council chambers. I Visually, it was very funny. Yeah. It was kind of brilliant. It's one of those things that, you know, they had some fun with. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, following the frustrating session in city council chambers, Leslie turns to her love and advisor, Ben, for some feedback on the best strategy to counterattack jam. You know, to jam jam, as it were. Yeah, that's a counter jam. That's a counter jam. Um, So yeah, Leslie's in her office and we see her on the phone with Ben and just venting about just jam in general. He's big jerky jerkerson. And then... Unfortunately, Ben ends up having to cut short his call with Leslie when Sweetums uh, president and I think CEO yeah. Jessica Wicks comes into Ben's office, calls him sugar butt again. It's wildly inappropriate. Yep. And then it talks about some lardos in uh, Muncie <laughs> that ate some tainted uh, Sweetums toffee sticks and they ended up in the hospital. Uh, so maybe Ben, could you give their like school a seesaw or something? You know, take take care of that mess. And then we, we then see Ben shoot a look. To the camera, Alan. I, I think maybe he's getting a little bit fed up with Sweetums. I, it, it appears that way for sure. Yeah. And those poor people who uh, diarrhea so much, oh. they ended up in the hospital. Right. Yeah. Oh, Jessica. It's a mess. Yeah. Well, back in the bullpen, Craig and Donna are assisting April with a new animal control resource when they all get inspired to pair various members of the Parks Department with their corresponding canine likenesses. Yeah, we cut to the City Hall bullpen and we see April and Donna and Craig gathered around April's desk and they're looking at a new uh, dog adoption website created by April and Craig, who I think used to do this for the Eagleton Eagleton. uh, variation there. And the new site looks good, sure, but what seems to really be getting their attention even more are all the dogs that are basically the dog versions of the Parks and Rec staff. The woofification. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Very nice. yeah. And so April then stands up and announces to Donna and Craig and Jerry, who happens to be standing sure. innocently nearby, <laughs> that they are all going to have an important meeting right now in the Parks Conference Room the Jerry Gergich Memorial, rest in peace. That's true. He's still alive. <laughs> uh, and they are going to pick everybody's spirit dog. So that's that's a thing now. That's happening. It's, it's happening. Yep. Well, you know, it can be the Jerry Gergich Memorial Conference Room because he's now Larry. So technically, you could say Jerry is passed. Wow. That's that's deep, that's man. That's deep, man. Uh, yeah, Harvey told me that this morning. So Really? <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. I know. He's starting to pay attention and stuff. I guess. Yeah. I uh, I am very happy to see Craig uh, back because I, yes. I do like him as a character. He is such a nut job. Um, <laughs> when they were first looking at the, the, oh my the, God. the, the yeah. website, he's like, yeah. oh, my God, these dogs are so cute. I just want to throw up and kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> his delivery is awesome. It is. He's he's a very funny comedian. But, oh. oh my gosh, Craig is such a crazy character. Yeah. Well, we now take a short trip to Bloomington, Indiana, where Chris is determined for Ron to Lenny Kravitz his way. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's all I got. We now cut <laughs> to the. <laughs> we now cut to the great city of Bloomington, Indiana, where it Chris, is. Where Chris, it is a great it, city. It really is. Yeah. Um, not as good as Lafayette. No, shut up. But where where Chris and Ron have just arrived at the baby store named Buddy 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 Tots All, folks. Terrific. To to be. I, how do you spell? Don't look. I'm a I'm a champion speller. You are. I don't want people that can't do spelling. Didn't you win that like that in a tennis tournament or something when you were young? At the same time, <laughs> that's how that's how talented I was. I would pay to see that tournament. I would too. <laughs> so anyway, they're the bitty bitty hot tots all folks, and yeah, so they yeah. go in there, and Chris immediately seeks out Frazier. Not from the sitcom, but no. just the, the store employee sure. who helped him pick out his uh, highly rated safety crib, the Baby Love Little Sweetheart Safe and Forever and Ever model, something like that. However, when Chris asks Frazier to show Ron the crib that he picked out, Chris is horrified to learn from Frazier that the crib has been recalled for having maxi cyclofentabol in the glue. I'll burn your fingernails right off. So... I guess the crib wasn't so safe after all. Not so much. In yeah. fact, in fact, the store employee says, uh, oh, that thing's a death trap. Yeah. <laughs> that sets Chris off. Ron, uh, Ron decides he's just going to wait in the car. Yep. All this. Yeah. Like this thing happening here is yeah. over. I'm he doesn't going back to, to the car. It. Nope. Yeah, I don't blame him. Nope. Well, in Leslie's office, we observe Leslie and Tom observing Purd mm. and learn just how far jam will go to get his way and ensure continuous supply of rotten teeth the beginning of that sounded like inception for a second it did yeah so we now cut to city hall where we see tom with leslie in her office and as you mentioned they're watching the final word with purd with guest councilman jeremy jam dds not which does not stand for dumb dumb stupid and and jam is once again speaking out against leslie's proposal hey harvey do the thing man play the clip councilwoman leslie nope wants to put fluoride which is a chemical mm. into your drinking water you know what else is a chemical? Strychnine and cyanide. What? And dirt and rust and even broken glass. <laughs> exactly. You definitely understand what chemicals are, Pert. I would suggest if you want to contact the psychopath that wants to turn your kids into bad at math, uh, communist harsh. fluoride zombies, well, just call the number at the bottom of your screen. <laughs> Leslie, no. no. Stop right there. You know what? Fluoride protects your teeth and it's perfectly healthy for you. Well, if Jam says that, then he is a lying idiot. And if you believe it, then so are you. Yikes. Whoa, you just talked to that person like I talked to you. You can't do that. Why not? What are they going to do? <laughs> Kick me out of office? Why did it take me so long to realize this? There are no consequences to my actions anymore. No matter what I do, literally nothing bad can happen to me. I'm like a white male U.S. senator. Yeah. Fluoride is going into the water, moron. Oh, hey, Mom, sorry. Because all it does is prevent cavities. Oh. God, I expected more from you. Uh, Marlene Griggs, no. We expected more from you. We really did. She let Leslie down once again. Man. First it was blackmail. Now it's this. I, 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 I do like, as much as I despise Jam, 
I love to despise him. He is truly the Newman of the show. Yeah. And, and, I, and I like his description. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you put fluoride in the water and, and, and Leslie Nope wants to turn your kids into bad at math communist fluoride zombies. <laughs> Which would make a great video game. It, it would, actually. I like yeah. that. Yeah. No, Jim uh, is pretty clever here, as a matter of fact. Yes, yes. He, he's pulling out all the stops. In fact, get, also giving out Leslie's number. That's that's pretty bold. Right. Yeah. Right. I shouldn't. I should stop doing that. You, yeah, don't do that anymore. Yeah, I won't please. do that with your number anymore. Please, thank you. Okay. I appreciate that. Well, back in Leslie's office, Tom knows that he has to convince Leslie to forget the high road and just take the whatever road that will help her mow down Jeremy's Japanese flower garden. <laughs> You're a piece of work, mister. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're still in Leslie's office, and Leslie and Tom are there. And uh, we discovered two things. Number one, Leslie is really leaning into this idea of being a loose cannon. She's ready to kick ass and take names. And number two, Tom is on board and ready to help Leslie. And since Jam's got everyone so scared of fluoride now, he suggests they fight back by simply rebranding it. So this seems like a win-win, Alan. Uh, Leslie gets to be a loose cannon, and Tom gets to use his um, special Avenger superpower for good instead of evil. Finally. Go. Finally. Yeah. I like Tom's, um, you know, example here that, you know, the, about rebranding. He said, no one cared about Calvin Broadus. And I'm like, who is that? Hmm. Until he started calling himself Snoop Doggy Dog. Yeah. And, of course, you know, then he became, you know, Snoop, uh, what, Lion, Snoop Snake, all the other. There, there are multiple variants of Snoop Dogg in his career. Yep. Which is interesting. It's the way of always reinventing yourself. Yeah. I'm going to try that. It's very clever. <laughs> is that yeah. what you're going to try? Yeah. From now on, my name is Schmallen. So I'm just, I'm going to make small changes at first. I've already labeled you with that in several disparaging emails. I believe you have. Yeah. Oh, that's where I got it from. <laughs> I knew that for some reason. Well, Mark, back in the Barks department, April and the <laughs> gang are really enjoying the spirit animal matching process. And that is until April speaks without thinking. Yep. Yep. That'll always get you in the end. Yep. We, we now cut to the Parks conference room where the very important meeting that April was referring to is taking place. And we see April and Donna and Craig and Jerry. They're sitting all together and they're looking at a large whiteboard, which has a title at the top, Barks and Recreation. And under the title, we see photos of Tom, Ron, Leslie, April, Donna, Jerry, Andy, Craig, all of them. And we see them collaborating to find spirit dogs for everybody, including a goofy dog rolling around in a puddle for Andy, a very proper, stylish-looking little dog for Tom, a crazy, snarling dog with its tongue out for Craig, a running blonde dog for Leslie, a grumpy bulldog for Ron, an old sheep dog for Jerry. Yeah. And then we then see April pick a poodle with a bow in its hair for Donna because she's uh, pretty and likes makeup and stuff. And Donna looks at the picture, is clearly unhappy, turns away, gets up, leaves. And everyone kind of looks around. They're a little confused and maybe a little concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Donna's uh, not happy at this point. Yeah. She, she made a turn there. Yep. Well, in the same way that a man should only need up to three friends, Mark, uh, Chris learns that any conversation worth having can be had in 100 words or less. That is correct, Sir Allen of the Round Table. We now cut to Chris visiting Ron in his office, and obviously disheartened about the fate of his crib, Chris asks Ron about the Swanson Way, wanting Ron to teach him to build his own crib. And Ron agrees, 
telling him that they can go to his wood shop at lunch. He does indeed. Yep. Well, Mark, from there, we check back in with Tom, who is more and more showing his business savvy side, and he has brought a dazzling idea to take down Jeremy Jam. Oh, that's wordplay. I like that. I like that, yeah. We now cut to Stephen Day Elementary, where we see a public forum in mm. progress, with Jam continuing to speak out against Leslie's proposal, but this time, Leslie has Tom in her corner. Harvey, do the thing, man. Play the clip. All right, so in conclusion, fluoride, chemical, tiny genitals, misinformation, panic, death, Jenny McCarthy. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't know, Councilman. That was a little dry. What do you say we have some fun, huh? Check this. Plain water, yuck. I'm bored. Then try this. What the? What just happened? That water contains teeth dazzler, which makes your teeth stronger and starts a party in your mouth. Wow, a lot going on here. <laughs> really? dancing. Welcome to Tea Dazzle. It's not a chemical. It's an aquatic-based social media oral experience. <laughs> Everyone who tweets at Tea Dazzle in the next hour will be entered to win an exciting plain blue T-shirt. Oh my god! I say god. tea. You I say dazzle. One. Tea. Dazzle. dazzle. Tea. Dazzle. Dazzle. Tea. Dazzle. Dazzle. Oh, we're done. Yeah. Jim looked a little miff there at the end. He looked a little miff, and I gotta tell you, I was so excited during when the video was playing, which I know yeah. our viewers sadly sure. pr probably yeah. could not see. Yeah. Um, is our punching bag Kyle. Punching bag Kyle. It's made been a, a minute. And he's plain water, yuck, on board. And then he tries the tea dazzle water. And then, strangely, he becomes a tall, muscular young man wearing nothing but underwear. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm going to try some of this uh, tea dazzle myself. Um, yeah, I saw Andy Forrest in the, the cast list. Yep. It, after I had already watched the episode, I'm like, oh, his scene must have been cut. It's in the deleted scenes. Mm -hmm. Then I rewatched it and I went, Holy crap, I didn't realize he was the guy who transformed into Mr. Buff. Right. Yeah, it's right. It brilliant. It's brilliant. It was nice to see Andy again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from there, Mark, we take a trip to Ron's woodshop where Chris is determined to glean what he can from Ron and his many, many years of wisdom or something like that. We now cut to Ron's woodshed <laughs> where he and Chris are busy building a crib. So the scene ends with a Chris talking head. And where he tells us that he wishes Ron would engage more. Because he has all sorts of questions. And Ron's just like, we should build a crib and not talk as much. And, yeah, you know, sounds like but, but even so, Chris believes that Ron has so much um, wisdom that Chris can learn parenting tips simply by uh, trying to find the metaphors and being in his presence. I don't, I don't know. He may be reading too much into Ron's lessons. I think he's a, a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he certainly wants to find it. I'll say that much. Right. Well, back in council chambers, jam will not be outdone. And so far, the score is water jamming jam zero and uh, re-jamming jamming one or something like that. I don't know. I got lost in that metaphor. I don't know what it's for. Jam's winning. Leslie's not. That's the short version. Well, when we <clears throat> when we start this scene, Leslie's winning. But we are about oh, to true. see, uh, you, know, about to flip. Uh, you know, you uh, know, yeah. 
what should we call this? Uh, the Water Battle Three: Return of the Jam. See, that would have been a good title for this story. Ooh, band name called it. Uh, so <laughs> we now cut to council chambers, where the uh, ongoing battle for fluoride continues, and unfortunately, it looks like Jam may have something else up his sleeve. Hey, Harvey, play the clip. Our polling shows that 72% of citizens are in favor of adding tea dazzle to their water, effectively killing Councilman Jam's so-called clean water bill. Eat it, Jam. I won. Apology accepted. Hmm. You know, I've actually come around to your way of thinking on this. Okay. My only thought is, why stop here? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Sweetums President Jessica Wicks. Look, we all love tea dazzle, but we can do more to improve our drinking supply. Sweetums is excited to propose an alternative to boring municipal water. We call it Drinkums! Sweetums is prepared to take over the management of Pawnee's water. This is gonna save this town buku bucks. Take a sip of this delicious water and imagine it coming out of your faucets at home. This water is filled with sugar. There's absolutely no way we are doing this. Too late. We're going to fill the whole reservoir with this stuff. Checkmate. Did you bring those with you just to do that? <laughs> Maybe. Damn, this is a baller move. What are we going to do now, Leslie? That was one of my favorite yeah. throwaway jokes <clears throat> in the entire thing. Apparently, just so Jam could say the words <laughs> checkmate to Leslie, yeah. he brings these giant chess pieces and he takes a giant white knight and yeah. knocks it kind of into a black king. Yeah. And knocks it over. Yeah. Checkmate. Yeah. They're like a, like a foot tall, those chess pieces. Oh, they're enormous. Yeah, not quite as tall as wizard's chess, but darn close. No. Yeah. Well, while we await Leslie's réponse, we join April doing her best to get back on Miss Meagle's good side. Yeah. We now cut to April apologetically approaching Donna's desk and asking if she's, you know, still mad and donna tells her it's not the choice that she made for her spirit dog it's the reasons she gave it suggests that april really doesn't know donna at all and april tries to protest saying that they really don't hang out that much and donna probably doesn't know much about her either which donna then proceeds to disprove by picking the perfect dog for april with a process that is so spot on and scary <laughs> it made craig have to go lie down for 45 minutes no, a full hour. An hour. <laughs> God, I love Craig. He's crazy. I did like the dog they picked for him. Like, it literally looked like him. His eyes were all bugging out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was perfect. Well, with no other options left open, Leslie finally goes full loose cannon and sets her sight on the Sweetums company itself. Noise. Yeah, this is a relatively short scene, and we, we go to the City Hall press conference room where we see Leslie giving a press conference, mercilessly bashing Sweetums, saying things like, Sweetums is an evil, profit-hungry mm. corporation that's ruining our health. Since Sweetums opened its doors, obesity is up 100%. And you know what? Down with that poison-peddling corporate monster. So that's... she's wow. she brought it. She did. Well, just like Sir Isaac Newton's third law, there is a counterforce and a consequence to every loose cannonball, Mark. That's all I'll say about this next couple of scenes. With Leslie basking in the afterglow of her uh, trashing Sweetums, which had to feel pretty good, um, she decides to pay Ben a visit in his office at Sweetums HQ. Harvey, play the clip, man. 
Hey! Hey, what about your speech? Sounded great. I wish you could have seen it. It felt so good. I love loose cannoning. You know, I love the power of no consequences. Well, unfortunately, there has been one consequence. I just got fired from Sweetums. Because you were embezzling, I hope. Jessica, did you do something to your hair? Because, sister, you look good enough to eat. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> what do you want, Leslie? You can't punish a bandit for something I did. It's not fair. I love him, and I will do anything to help him get his job back. What do you want? I want you to formally apologize for what you said about Sweetums. I want you to say that we're a moral, upstanding corporation that you're proud to have in Pawnee. And when you make your apology, I want you to wear a lime green pantsuit because it will look horrible on you. You are such an autumn. Mm. <laughs> that may be the biggest part of the vengeance of all right there. Well, Making I think it was the part that Jessica was the most excited about. <laughs> it did seem that way, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, Leslie and Jam aren't the only ones with determination. April is dead set on getting Donna right and begins getting some A's to her cues for her to do so. All right, we now once again cut to the Parks Conference Room, and April is already seated, and she had apparently requested that Donna join her, which Donna does moments later, and April straight up tells Donna, look, I really want to figure out your spirit dog, so I want to learn everything there is to know about you, and Donna agrees and sits down, and April begins to ask her questions such as favorite color, cars gold, shoes red, reversed on the weekend, favorite music, 70s funk, 1770s opera, Sugar Ray, Favorite book, Downton Abbey. That's which, not a book. Downton Abbey. <laughs> That's her choice. Uh, favorite movies, Natural Born Killers, Remains of the Day, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. April thanks her for her time. Donna gets up and leaves. April looks at the camera and says, <laughs> quote, no idea. I think that was Donna's goal, personally. Mm. Although, I'm not sure her answers were dishonest, but she wasn't helpful. I'll say that. I would agree. Right. Yeah. Well, from there, we take a trip to Ron's woodshed, where Chris is determined to find meaning in anything, including the belt sander. We now cut back to Ron's woodshop slash woodshed, where Chris continues to try and turn each one of Ron's lessons and demonstrations into some sort of metaphor about raising your child. And after one too many questions about what this or that lesson meant, Ron finally tells Chris they're are no metaphors present in what he's doing. He is just, you know, in fact, he hates metaphors. Uh, he's simply helping Chris to build a crib. Yeah, like, you know, crazy metaphors like uh, Moby Dick and things like that. You write a whole book about that without any metaphors. No, it, that is, it, it, a man hates a fish. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's the whole story. End of discussion. <laughs> Well, it took her a few tries, but I, I think April is closing in on finding Donna's true spirit animal. Well, I hope so. Good Lord. She's trying hard enough. She really is. Yeah, we now cut back to City Hall and we see April approaching Donna's desk with the results of her spirit dog efforts. Harvey, clip us, please. Okay, I've been working on this for three hours and I know your spirit dog. You are a Nova Scotia Toller. Because you're outgoing and adventurous, and you love Canada. No, that's not right. No, it isn't. But I appreciate the effort. We're good. Don't beat yourself up. You'll probably never guess what kind of dog I am. You're right, I'll never guess what kind of dog you are. Because you're not a dog. You're a cat. 
You're temperamental, you're unpredictable, complex, and hard to read. You make people work before you let them in. But if they put the time in and prove that they care, then you open yourself up to them. Right? Aww. Aww. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, you can miss that purr there at the end if you're if you don't have the volume up high enough. And mm -hmm. I, first couple times I listened to the episode, I missed it, and then I saw it, and I'm like, that's brilliant. Well, clearly April made the right choice. Yeah, she really did. Yeah, she she kind of backed into it there at the end, but well, it's important is she put in the effort. Yeah. Yeah. Well, across City Hall, we head back to Leslie's office where she is most certainly feeling the pressure to cave to the local candy mafia in order to save Ben's job. That candy mafia. Yep. It will get you. Every time. Um, yeah, we now cut to uh, Leslie's office where we see her preparing a Sweetums apology speech. And we then see Ben standing in the doorway telling Leslie, don't do this. And the two of them talk, and we get uh, uh, four main takeaways. A, if Leslie apologizes, she will essentially be endorsing the Drinkums plan concocted yeah. by Sweetums. B, Ben is tired of all the charity work he does. Honestly, he does it mainly to compensate for messes caused by Sweetums in the first place. He, like, the, it, like the seesaw. Yes. He doesn't really want to work for them anymore anyway. Yeah. C, Leslie wonders out loud what to do. I mean, yes, she has facts and science on her side, but people hate facts and science. Sadly true. And then D, bing, Leslie has an epiphany tell, and tells Ben to go run and get her secret weapon, Tom. Tom. Love it. Get Tom. Well, from there, it's not long before we get to see Leslie's big idea in action. And we do so at yet another Leslie Nope press conference. That's right. Yeah, we once again cut to the Prince conference room. And we see Jam and Jessica standing at the back of the room, smiling and wearing Drinkum's t-shirts. And they're all smug and stuff because they think that they've won. Uh, and Leslie starts to talk. And it certainly seems like she's going through the motions we expected, apologizing to Sweetums, etc. Or is she? <laughs> Harvey, play the clip, please. Yesterday, I said some pretty harsh things about Sweetums and their great new product. But when I looked at the research, I found some pretty compelling facts about Drinkums that made me change my tune. Each Drinkums is packed with 35% of your daily monopotassium phosphate requirement. MPP is an emulsifier as well as a plus seven pH buffer. Now I know what you're thinking. What about its molar mass? How does 136.086 grab you? Mm. What the? I don't know about y'all, but Drinkums seems pretty boring to me. Not like H2Flow. Excuse me, there's several binders with very important data that I need to get through. Well, miss, I think we'd all appreciate it if you just swallowed a teaspoon of hush. <laughs> think of H2Flow as an app for your teeth. The more flow you take in, the more sparkle points you get. Get enough sparkle points, and you're on your way to your first Aqua Badge. Collect enough Aqua Badges, and we'll welcome you to the H2Flow Platinum Club. I'm great at business, and I'm great at park stuff. I'm like Picasso meets Michael Jordan. I can paint, but, uh... I can also be a world-class gambler. Well, as we continue to wrap up this episode, Ron pays a surprise visit to Anne and Chris's house where he has an unexpected gift for the parents-to-be. 
Yeah, we now cut to the front yard of Ann Perkins' house, and we see Chris come out of the house and approach Ron, who is polishing a crib on their front yard. Hey, Harvey, play this one final clip, please. Thank you. Ron, what's this? The crib I built, I'm giving it to you and Ann. It's perfectly safe. I tested it by hitting it with my truck. Well, Ron, I can't accept. This is for your baby. Well, there's more than one crib tree in a forest. That's not a lesson, by the way, just a comment on lumber availability. <laughs> it's beautiful. Thank you. Nobody has all the right answers in parenting, including me. And that toxic crib you bought won't be the last mistake you make. But a man who is this worried about making all the right choices cares very much. That's all that matters. You'll be a great father. Thank you, Ron for the crib and the advice. It's much better than any metaphor. Does the white whale actually <laughs> symbolize the unknowability and meaninglessness of human existence? <laughs> no, it's just a <laughs> fish. <laughs> well, there you go. I love it. See, now I know. Well, Mark, we've made it to the kicker, and yep. despite the uh, specter of unemployment, Leslie and Ben take a moment to enjoy their near escape from being water jammed. In the, which is even worse than waterboarded. Oh my gosh! Or yes. at least a bad, as bad. Yeah. In the kicker, we cut to Ben entering Leslie's office, where they celebrate H two flow, i.e., fluoride defeating Drinkums. It is fluoride, right? I think I'm pretty sure I'd better check. check with Tom. Uh, so this is so Pawnee Water's finally going to have fluoride in it. So, you know, yay. Leslie and Ben then comment about how they are both losing their jobs. And yet they're confident that they will land on their feet. And then the end of it, Tom drops by with some <laughs> great news for Ben. He remember that plain blue T-shirt? Oh, yeah, sure. Ben was the winner. Wow. This makes Ben disproportionately <laughs> happy. Things are looking up. Fade to black. Love it. Yep. That's great. Well, hey, Mark, that's a good place for us to take a break. Yep. Let's do that. We'll compare our notes. We'll come back and we'll finish this thing up. Well done. All right. Doot, doot. We'll be right back, everybody. When you start your day each morning with a bowl of sweet, sugary, mighty bites, do you ever pause to consider where all that sweet, sugary goodness comes from? That, my friends, is the work of a little company called Sweetums. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. Here at their global headquarters in Pawnee, Indiana, we are proud to be the home of our very own Sweetums. Sweetums, if you can't beat them, Sweetums. Founded in 1891, the scientists in the Sweetums labs have spent the last 120 years developing some of the world's most convenient delivery platforms for sugars, carbs, and unnecessary calories. Just ask the people of Baracua, Pawnee's sister city in Venezuela. To this day, they cannot figure out how we here in Pawnee have managed to fatten our children so much more efficiently than any other children around the world. They are indeed like little basketballs, huge little borkers. The Sweetums product line is varied and vast. I will list some of their offerings now in no particular order. World-famous Yum Bars, formerly known as Nutri-Yum Bars before the court ordered name change. Fruity Yums, fruit-flavored candy, a single serving giving 1% of your daily vitamin C. 
bacon yums, bacon-flavored candy, of course, finger yums, candy stick-on fingernails, swimmy yums, chunks of pan-roasted wild striped bass dipped in chocolate, poppy pups, dog bone-shaped biscuits for human consumption, not to be confused with puppy pups, bagel-shaped bones for dogs, teeth savers, sugar-free gum, tooth fillers, extra sugar gum shaped like actual teeth, uses directed, Sweetums candy-flavored condoms, our most popular adult-themed hard candy, try the newest beetle-inspired flavor, strawberry feels, and finally, my personal favorite, a regular-sized 128-ounce Sweetums Sugar Splash, available exclusively from local restaurant chain Paunchburger. Try it. It goes great with value combo number two. As you can see, Sweetums has something for nearly everyone, unless you're a salad-eating hippie health nut. And in that case, go enjoy a leafy meal with your furry friends and leave us normal folks to enjoy the food that God and the Founding Fathers intended. Happy 120th anniversary, Sweetums. Thank you. That is all. everybody we're back well hey mark uh during the the break there i reminded myself about these deleted scenes and uh there wasn't much to remind myself we got two yeah it was very very short yeah like 59 seconds or something like that maybe yep. a little longer with the the fade to black um i think chris is uh you know worrying a little more and uh thinks he might it's apparent he'd be a poor judge of of baby safety items like just oh, from yes. that one clip yeah and then i think the other one's just more wood shop wisdom you know or woodshed wisdom however you want to look at it so <laughs> so check those out if you have access to the dvds if not you're not missing much this week uh mark how about tropes first fun facts all that great stuff let's do that part i could i thought of two first Good and that's you. it um yeah i got none i said ben no longer has his job with sweetums okay because i think he officially got fired he has been fired right yeah. I mean, Leslie looked like she might save his job, but she didn't do the thing. No. So, yeah. And as a first, Pawnee has fluoride now in their water. Oh, that's an excellent first. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. No, that's good. I, I, you've got two more than me. So, nice <laughs> job. Uh, and it's like that most weeks. I think, you know, we're in season six. Mm -hmm. So, first, are getting a little harder to come by. I don't Agreed. think that's shocking. Yeah. How about tropes, though? I, I think they did a good job exercising some of the classics and maybe one or two new ones. I had a P ones. PBJ yeah, for Punching Bag Jerry. Yeah. And always uh, Jerry, Gary, Larry, because they, they call him Larry, and I yeah. think that that's funny. Um I don't know that it really applies, but I was so happy to see Kyle. I said punching bag Kyle. Hey. Because he's kind of this, the schlubby uh, before in the right. T-Dazzle uh, right. equation. Yeah. yeah, that happened to me in a play once. I got asked to play the fat version of the character, <laughs> not the skinny version. It's like, sir, could you lose some weight to play Dom DeLuise? <laughs> yeah, I can't. Try. I, can't. I mean, I can't, but, you know, yeah. we'll see. We'll pretend. Um, I said... Um, I didn't know a good way to put this, and I didn't know if we'd done this before, but I said TBM, Tom the Businessman. I like that. Because um, he clearly has some chops, and I'll talk about that later. 
Um, I got mugs to the camera. Um, ben and April were two big ones. I don't know if there are any others. Um, you know what dawned on me? Hmm. I will have to check on this through the end of the run. Has Leslie ever done a mug to camera? Has she ever broken fourth wall? I think she's one of the few characters who has not. Even Ron has, and his are very rare. I, I think you're right, because rarely do we see Leslie reacting to others. It's usually others reacting to Leslie. Very good. Or okay. others. Yeah. yeah. Or others, yeah. She's in the mix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, I had WWR for Woodworking Ron. Yep, got that one. Um, I said overly cheerful Chris, just in the sense that he's trying to just get the good out of everything he can. I yeah. don't know if that's exactly the right yeah. trope, but it's close. Yeah. I had um, Sweetums is Evil. Um. I don't know if we've said that before, but it just we seems have. like it's they, they're such a they're being put in such a bad light here, and deservedly yeah. so. Well, sure. Um, I said Jam hates Leslie. Yeah, that's a, that's a recent one. We like that one. And then I said Craig is crazy. Craig is crazy. I like that one too. <laughs> Did I miss any? That's good. Um, I've got Tom loves sports. <laughs> yeah, he does. And I, I put Indianapolis Colts and Jim Ursay really as a trope because we've we've talked about the Colts before. We've certainly talked about Indianapolis, and Chris has talked about his relationship with Jim Ursay. That's true. So I thought that made a decent trope this week. Yeah, good um, one. Pawnee is unhealthy. Mm, that's pretty pretty that's widespread there. Yeah. Um, Tom loves puppies. I noticed that. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, uh, Leslie will persevere. Like, I, I think it's it's certainly manifest here in this, like, last 30 days run that Anne helped inspire her with last week. But it's, I, we've seen her in s different circumstances, but with a similar, you know, plan to make the most of it. So that, that's what I meant by that. So gotcha. I thought that was appropriate. Um, Bloomington has better stuff. I thought that would be a good trope for us because we've true. certainly been referenced to that before. And then I, my last one, I mentioned this a little earlier in brief chris is not beyond lose using his position to get what he wants now it's a terrible name for a trope but he he in fact does that again with that threat to ron about the facts facsimile cover sheet mm. uh, session you know i don't know a little bit of abuse of power just interesting to me well and it stands out i think a little bit more to chris seeing as what a stickler he was about you know ben and leslie dating you blah blah it. blah against and the i rules. think the last time i brought this up i was uh peeved about the same you know conflict hmm. yeah Interesting. anyway yeah he's gonna have it both ways good for him well mark i didn't have a lot on goofs or fun facts this week how about you uh i didn't i i only had one minor goof and i don't even know if this is really a goof but it's just something i caught you remember in the kicker ben is telling leslie wow look at us we're two people who are about to have zero jobs right is that true because I, I seem to recall that when Leslie was making her bid to be on city council, they specifically said, look, you may have to cut back in your parks and rec position, but you're not you're not exchanging one one position for another. I have a comment on this. Oh, OK. Yeah. And uh, general in the scoring, I, I just want to bring it up. OK. Yeah. Fair so, enough. But anyway, that's all I had. Yeah, I had the same thought. So, no, that's good. I, I didn't have that thought at this point, and uh, I didn't have any fun facts this week, so a little disappointed by that. But you know what? That's okay. Let's get into our scores. Yeah. We'll get there a little quicker. Scoring again. incoming. So I uh, I went a little bit different direction because I chose two people I didn't expect to choose. I got co-MVPs. Aziz Ansari as Tom Haverford and Billy Eichner as Craig Middlebrooks. Oh, okay, I like that combo. So I really like Tom being able to 
like transfer his, his his business knowledge into hype that benefited Leslie, and as a result, Pawnee. It's like, like I said, it's like him using his superpowers for good and not evil. And we've talked about how we like this version of Tom, and this is no exception. In fact, it makes me wonder, honestly, how Leslie would have fared with the Pawnee public if she and Tom had teamed up earlier in her council career. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine if this version of Tom had been around to help her when she was lobbying against Paunchburger. You know, maybe they could have come up with something. That's a good point. And then with both Anne and Andy gone from this episode, I think it threatened to feel a little bit more empty than usual. But I thought keeping Craig in the mix Mm. helped with this immensely. Not to mention, I think Billy Eichner's delivery of his lines totally elevated the C story from meh to good, in my opinion. I I like Craig a lot, a lot, a lot, and I'm glad they're keeping him around. So well, well done, Billy Eichner. Um, I really like the back and forth of the A story, you know, with each side trying to find a way to strategically kind of one up Mm -hmm. the other. I I thought that that was good Um, and interesting. Um, I love how Jam continues to portray himself, at least in my mind, as the Newman of Parks and Recreation. You know, in other words, a villain that, in air quotes, a villain that I love to see on screen. He just cracks me up. I particularly love the giant chess props. (laughs) So we could say check to Leslie. Ridiculous and hilarious. Um, I I thought that there were several great throwaway jokes in this episode, such as, are you going to crawl my way? Yes. And, and, you know, if you're watching the show, they actually have a book cover. Chris is holding the book. Yeah, somebody spent some time in Photoshop. Um, Purred happily, thinking dirt, rust, and even broken glass or chemicals. (laughs) heard you clearly know what a chemical is oh my god and then and then ron testing the overall safety of his crib by hitting it with his truck which by the way the crib is made so well it damaged his truck that was terrific i love that um the sea story in many ways was kind of a throwaway but i thought it had an interesting resolution with donna having a spirit cat and not a spirit dog so i i, I like the way that they handled I that too um so, all right. So, on to the Mark rubric, which everyone loves. That's what they told me. It's a Harvey told me. Uh, they're just protecting your feelings. But, okay, that's fine. I, you know what? I'm going to take it. <laughs> so, I'm going to give the sucker a base score of four. I, I thought that the A story was great. And I thought that the B and C stories were good. Maybe a little bit less compelling or great than the A. But, I mean, overall, they did a good job. Yeah. Um, for my co-MVPs, Aziz Ansari and Billy Eichner, I'm going to give half point each to both of them for great performance. I'm going to give a half point for uh, something I've used before, the deep bench combo. A decent use of the comedic bench, plus a pretty nice list of guest stars. you got Billy Eichner, of course, as Craig Middlebrooks. you got Susan Yeagley as Jessica Wicks. Um, and then you have the council, the, the boys that I always think of as the council yeah, boys. you got yeah. John, John Glazer as Councilman Jam. Uh, Kevin Simons yep. as Councilman Dexart, Sexy Dexy. Uh, James Green as the venerable Councilman Milton. Yvonne's Jordan, I don't think with any speaking lines in this, this one, one, as yeah. Councilman uh, Hauser. And then, of course, um, in the cold open, you had Jimmer saying Andrew Luck and Reggie Wayne, and I mean, all of them as, yeah. as themselves. Uh, that was nice. Um, I have what I call the villain combo. Councilman Jam plus Jessica Wicks makes for they make for satisfying antagonists, I yeah, think, because yeah. then you like to see them eh, get their comeuppance. Well, and they're, when they pair up, yeah, oh my god, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So half point for that. Yeah, uh, I have what I call the chess combo, which is okay. the the strategic moves uh, in the A story plus 
the literal giant yeah. chess pieces, yeah. which I really like. Half point for that. I have what I call the Swanson combo. Like all the Swanson-esque mannerisms, plus taking Chris under his wing, plus damaging his truck on the well-built crib. I love that. Half point for that. I'm a, I have what I call the spirit animal combo. The The entire concept of finding spirit animals was, it was throwaway, but it was fun. And, and, and the direction that they went with Donna I thought was interesting. So half point for that. I have what I call the resolution combo. The, the conclusion of the back and forth from the A story uh, with uh, fluoride winning. Plus Ron deciding to give Chris and Anne his crib. Plus finding out Donna's a spirit cat. That, that's her spirit animal. Uh, so half point for that. And then finally, I have one I've used before, a bookend combo. I thought it was a great cold open with the quote with the Colts. And a funny and sort of sweet kicker. Mm -hmm. um, so half point for that. You add all those crazy points up, uh, and you get eight and a half little Sebastians. Uh, I, I don't have a lot to say about this uh, that I haven't said already, but I thought it was a decently strong episode. I enjoy it. So... Rock the scuba if you dare, Mr. Allen. I will dare, Mark. Yeah. Um, you want me to start where we agree or disagree? or How, how should we do this one today? Uh, well, I think you should say where I'm right, and then we should end the episode. Be done. Yeah. Fair enough. Good job, Mark. Dun, 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 <laughs> There's the music. Dun, 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 dun. All right. So uh, real quick, and I'll, I'll try not to drag one, this out today either, but I had a single MVP, which is rare for me because usually I can't make the decision. Yeah. So this week I said, screw it. Billy Eichner. Done. Wow. Here's the reason. One, because he's brilliant. And two, just so funny. And he personifies Craig. You know, who could be really a, a, a grading character. Like if he were written just slightly wrong and performed yeah. differently perhaps or not as well as Billy Eichner performs the character of Craig, then I think it might be one of those characters that you wouldn't want to always, you know, maybe too much. Right, right. And when they first wrote Craig... He was a little too much, but I think they did that on purpose because they needed like to really show what how crazy you this wanted to guy establish is. his baseline. Yeah, exactly. And Donna was like, "Whoa!" Right. So, and we lived through Donna in that episode, so it was very fun. Anyway, I thought they hit the right zenith of the mix of crazy Craig and uh, funny Craig. Yes. And so I'm giving it to Billy Agner this week as a standalone. So. Um, I felt like the 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 you know the ABC story balance A was a little heavy. I'm going to circle back to that in a minute and talk about why. Um, and that, you know, the C was actually better than the B story, which, you know, is not always the case. I felt like I actually liked the Spirit Animal Quest a little more than I liked the Chris Ron storyline for some reason. And yet, I thought it was that storyline was funny, too. And Ron was Ron all the way in the ways that we love. And Chris was Chris in the ways that we love, trying to learn from Ron and seeing things that just aren't there. So it, I had no problems with it. I think it was well executed. Maybe it just wasn't long enough, maybe because it was shorter. And I think screen time wise, and you, I know you look at this sometimes, I feel like the C story got a little more screen time than the B story. Am I wrong about that? Barely. Okay. So, it was, they were almost equal. C got really? okay. slightly less. Interesting. Okay. In my head, it felt more, but maybe that's just based on the content or the impact. Who knows? Anyway, I, I think the A story is at risk in this case. I, I, I wrote down my, my note to myself was, are we getting jammed? Hmm. And here's what I mean by that. <laughs> I mean, John Glazer as, as Jeremy Jam is terrific, but he's a guest star. And I feel like 
we suffer from having some great comedians in the council who get no screen time or lines. Yeah. Right. I mean, James Milton is a very funny guy. Agreed. Right? Um, I, I've always thought it was interesting how they do Jan Shordain, you know, and, and Hauser. He's not a big speaker. And I think that fits his character. But I think he's when, kind of the long suffering. He he's, he's the only one who's worth a damn. Other and he than does Leslie. it great. Like right, he's right. just fabulous at it, you know. Um, so I don't think that he really suffers much because that's just kind of his shtick. But, you know, and then, you know, Kevin Simons, he barely gets a line anymore. So right. it's and, all jam all the time. And see, I agree with you. I think that if they could spread that out and like make all of the council have, you know, irreverent things yeah. to say. It would help flesh out the the, the universe a little more. Like they paired him and Jack, Jessica this week, which was awesome and brilliant, and I loved it. Maybe pair him with Kevin Simons or Dexy every once in a while, or right. get him to get Milton to do something crazy, or you know what I mean? Like right. just go a step farther with it. I agree. I think there's a little bit of wasted talent there, and I'm just I want to see him dial that back and see if they can find a good balance with that. And I don't think that they were necessarily more guilty of that in this episode really than others no. but i think this is certainly an example it's probably of the that. third in a row where we've had this much jam on screen and so it's becoming a norm and I, that's why i kind of called it out this week i i agree i mean there were if you took all the scenes of the a story it was more than the b and c combined yeah yeah that's a good point yeah um i did enjoy the back and forth in the a story i thought that was terrific just you know point counterpoint you know trying to outdo each other. Um, I thought that was well-written, well-executed, and very funny. So I did enjoy the story this week. It also made you appreciate, like, Jam has a, a few chops to be able to keep oh, yeah. up with Tom. Yeah. It, it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But Les the Leslie-Tom combination was terrific, too, to see them working together for the yep. greater good, which, you know, Tom hasn't always been that. He's kind of been doing it for the greater Tom. Right. This time, you know, he wants to help Leslie win this, and I think somewhat selflessly. So um, yay for I, I think I think that, but I would also say I think he was genuinely a little bit bored, and he found a way to like put his efforts into a, an area he was yeah interested in. Yeah, I like that. No, that's a good point. So kind of like Loki that way. Yeah, <laughs> although I think he did genuinely want to help Leslie. I do too. I, I think he does, and he wants to see Leslie succeed, of course. So, but um, I also gave this episode eight and a half little Sebastians. Very nice. Yeah, and I didn't really have a hard time with that. I think, you know, if I look at my analysis, it might only look like an 8 on paper, but I think it executes as an 8-5 very easily. Hmm. Um, and with some of the things we both mentioned today in place, maybe a 9, maybe higher. Hmm. So, nice food for thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, hey, Mark, nice job on the breakdown and your coverage today. Thank you very much. Um, I, we'll be back next time with, uh, you know, basically half an hour from now, so to speak, with yep. Cones of Dunshire. Oh, finally. And uh, I've got the shirt ready to go. Um, yeah, it's upstairs in the closet, so I'll be wearing that next week. And uh, I'm going to see if I can maybe build the board games, like replicate it between now and then. I'm just going to wear my a traffic cone on my head. <laughs> That's close enough. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Yeah. Anyway. And then I think the episode after that is a Second Chance, which is one of the weirdest titles, mm -hmm. but a pretty fun episode. So yes. we've got a couple really good episodes in the queue. Yep. So, all right. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. Go out and check us out on the socials when you get a minute. Please do rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'd really, really appreciate it. And we will see you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. 
Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompani.com for more details or to contact us.